First scripture is from Mark, chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. About that time, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. When he was coming up out of the water, Jesus saw heaven splitting open and the spirit like a dove coming down on him. And there was a voice from heaven, You are my son, whom I dearly love. In you I find happiness. The second scripture is from John chapter 1, verses 43 to 51. The next day, Jesus wanted to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. Jesus said to him, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and the prophets, Jesus, Joseph's son from Nazareth. Nathanael responded, Can anything from Nazareth be good? Philip said, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here is a genuine Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are God's son. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. I assure you that you will see heaven open and God's angels going up to heaven and down to earth on the human one. This is the word of God for the people of God. I want to thank Ben for that embodied reading. That's the sound the Spirit makes. <laughs> Please pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. We needed a reading like that this morning. We needed a reading that had flesh on and spirit in it. Because this, this is a time of epiphany. Epiphany is a very church-sounding word, but you may have heard it in another context as well. It's an aha moment, isn't it? Or maybe you know the other word that starts with an E, Eureka. Epiphany is a season that's all about recognizing that things that are hidden can be revealed. What is secret is no longer secret. It is news to be shared. 
In Jesus, Christ was living in the neighborhood. But the neighbors could not tell until the Holy Spirit made it known. Nobody could miss the message when the Holy Spirit appears like a dove and a big voice is heard saying, This is the one in whom I am well pleased. The Spirit made it known. Nathanael was hidden by the fig tree, but Jesus could still see him. How many of you have a fig tree in your yard? No, they're not so common in this area of the country, right? So when we think about Nathaniel sitting under the tree, I bet that the image of her head is something like a maple or an oak. So Nathaniel is very easily visible sitting under a tree. It's not so special that Jesus says, I saw you sitting under the fig tree. Well, yeah. Why not? But one of the uh, commentators I read in preparing for the sermon pointed out something special. This is a moment of poetry. A fig tree is a symbol of so many things. It's a really important symbol in scripture. It shows a lot. Diana Butler Bass points out that we know from the Adam and Eve story one of the things that the fig tree symbolizes. Adam and Eve, when they became ashamed of themselves, what did they do? They used the leaves of the fig tree to hide themselves. Perhaps in this is a revealing that it wasn't so much about the physical shape of the tree or where Nathaniel was seated that is important here. It's that maybe Nathaniel answers so sharply because he's trying to keep some things hidden. Maybe Nathaniel is one of those people who has a hard time believing in others because he is so critical of himself. Perhaps what Jesus says to him is, I saw you even when you were trying to hide. Your light shines. Even under the fig tree, Jesus could still see him. So this revelation makes me question, are we equipped to come out of hiding? Are we equipped to come out of hiding, to see God in ourselves and in one another? Something that I've learned a lot about over the years through the kinds of continuing education opportunities that are offered by our conference in the way of interculturalism and anti-racism is that people really cannot be included until they can be seen, right? As long as, long as we have uh, blinders on this sense of assumption that everyone is like us or motivated like us, as long as we are sheltered in our understanding and look only through the lens of one culture, we miss out on the full beauty and glory of the body of Christ. 
people cannot really be included until they are seen. This was a part of Martin Luther King Jr.'s growing journey, too. Because if you have been a student of his, as someone I knew once was and then taught me, reading in order the speeches and writings of Martin Luther King, we see the journey of someone who's learning, who's learning, that at first he thought that civil rights could be extended to the marginalized purely on principle. That if people knew about inequality as an idea, if they just knew that it was happening, that was all that was necessary. They would naturally have the impulse to correct it. The beginning of his work, Martin Luther King Jr. thought, naturally, if people know that it's happening, they will have the impulse to correct it. But he learned that this was not true. That we need Holy Spirit moments, epiphanies, that shock our hearts into understanding that my liberation depends on yours. It's not apparent. It's not obvious. We need epiphany moments to realize how bound up in one another's freedom we are. We need to learn to see like Jesus sees. This Sunday is the first Sunday in a series. And in this series, um, my desire is to share with you some of what I've learned about how people are, in fact, different. How people sometimes say the same words, but have radically different meanings. The purpose of this is not so that we would feel estranged from one another, but actually so that we might learn how to see each other more clearly and be able to see Christ in each other. Have you ever come away from an interaction and said to yourself, maybe just to yourself or maybe to your friend or to your spouse, how could they have said that? How could they have said that? What were they thinking? Have you ever had a moment like that? Yeah. Yeah. What if instead of that just being an expression of frustration, we actually leaned into that question a little bit? Where did that come from? What was meant? Is it possible that in this conflict even, there is Christ? There is epiphany? Can we come to see each other with this kind of depth and hope and love so as to be able to draw on the gifts of all of our differences? Jesus and Nathaniel are such different type of people. One of the uh, commentators on this scripture points out that they are so different that this actually makes a point for all of us in understanding something about the kingdom of God. 
that what is clear is that epiphanies of the Christ come to different people in such drastically different ways that it can even be incomprehensible. If you found this story a little bit odd, or like Veronica, you were thinking, there must have been more to this conversation because it is such a strange encounter. That incomprehensibility, that's where we see two people who are very different meeting one another. And in that interaction, Jesus is able to see, able to say, come, you're welcome here. I'm delighted to see you. I want to flesh this out for you a little bit more. There are those among us who have personalities that are naturally attuned to being able to see things in other people. We're very people-centered. There are those among us who look for um, what success is, what peace of mind is, in the comfort and joy of the people we are in relationship with. So if others are happy, if our children is, are happy, if our spouse is happy, we are happy, right? And there are those among us who are naturally kind of oriented to look for this kind of information, and so over a lifetime, we become naturally skilled at perceiving others, perceiving their feelings, perceiving their style and their personality. People who are this way also tend to be comfortable taking things at a slightly slower pace, allowing things to reveal themselves and to emerge in relationship. People like this are often willing to take a little bit longer in order to include a few more people. And in this scripture, we actually see Jesus' personality being painted this way. I want to reassure you that all of the different behavior types we talk about in this series show up in descriptions of Jesus because they're all being used for a different reason. But this week, it's really clear to see that Jesus is not going around in this version of the calling of the disciples and saying, I'll take you, 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 you. Come on, let's go. In this version of the story, Jesus actually doesn't call most of the disciples. Jesus only calls one of them. Jesus is comfortable with waiting to see what happens. So just as you heard in the scripture lesson, Jesus calls Philip, and Philip calls Nathaniel. Jesus allows it to happen, allows it to grow and develop. And this doesn't make him anxious. Now, Nathaniel is not this kind of person at all, right? Because Nathaniel is so far from being the kind of person who's like, yeah, yeah, Philip, you're probably right. Yeah, you know, there's, there's gifts that come from all different kinds of people and cultures and whatever. No, Philip is the type of person who's immediately able to perceive what could be wrong in a situation or what could be missing. And so when Philip tells him, there's really good news, I found somebody who's going to be important in all of our lives. He's going to change the world. Nathaniel's like, yeah, but isn't he from Nazareth? 
Isn't that going to cause a bit of a problem? I mean, does anything good ever come from a place like Nazareth? When Nathanael comes and meets Jesus, Jesus is able to perceive something about Nathanael. He's able to see him. And he sees this quality in Nathanael as a gift. Because Nathanael is direct and clear. He says, this, this, is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. This is an Israelite of integrity in whom there is no deceit. And when Nathaniel is seen, he does not say to Jesus, don't look at me. Get away. What are you saying about me? You don't even know me. Nathaniel rejoices. I wonder how long we wander in life with an expectation that people aren't going to see what's beautiful in us. I wonder how long we go about wondering if the way we are is good enough, or if we are only good enough when we are transformed. I wonder how long we go about waiting for the people in our lives to change so that we can live something closer to the kingdom of God. Here's some good news. Christ has come for us while we are yet sinners, proving God's love for us, proving God's love for us, meeting us in the gift of communion to bring us around one table in our difference so that we all must, might taste the sweetness, so that we all may be fed because we are together. There's a place for all of us at the table.